The following talk was given at Mile High Church in Lakewood, Colorado. Please visit our website at milehighchurch.org. Here we are um, taking back the river today. I want to uh, begin by sharing a quote from Mark Twain. He said, 20 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things that you didn't do rather than by the ones you did do. So he's asking us to throw off the bowline, sail away from the safe harbor, and catch the trade winds in our soul, to explore, to dream, and to discover. So out of the ancient belly of wisdom, and wisdom is not knowledge, I am uh, seeing, sensing wisdom today as I speak as a golden thread, a golden thread that is woven through all of life. And stepping into the greater water, water is one of the first medicines, medicine meaning quality, the medicine of this world because all of life is of water. And stepping into that water and gathering a greater understanding today of who we are as a creative, soulful being. So Laura Gilbert, she wrote, a river uh, seems a, a magic thing, magic moving throughout the entire earth. And rivers, when we think about them, and I'm sure that little rolling stone Um, probably stopped thinking but just felt the movement of that river. But rivers have their way in history and our uh, folklore. Uh, So many cities, Denver, Colorado, uh, Denver here started down by the Platte River, that trees and plants and animals go to drink of the river. The river nurtures us. It nurtures us. The fish swim in the rivers, all kinds of little critters. And by the way, um, do you know where fish uh, keep their money? Anybody? Where fish keep their money? Well, they keep them in a, uh, a bank account. And there's a lot of bank accounts in this nation. There's a lot of roll, rolling rivers in this country. So to be able to bring back that creative spirit within us, not that it's lost, but a lot of times we get so hypnotized and busy with our lives that we kind of forget and we tend to go away from the river. We go away from life, the fullness of our life. I remember a story when I was just a kid. Uh, I was very fortunate with my brother and my cousins to spend most of my summers in Leadville, Colorado, My uncle had an amazing cabin up there, and it was just, we had so much fun. And there was lakes, and there was streams, and we would hike to lakes and streams. And there was a river called the Arkansas, and it was kind of forbidden to his kids. Parents said, okay, you guys can go out and play now, but don't go to the river. One day, we went to the river, and we were walking along the shores of this river, and we found an old rowboat. Well, as kids, you know, you're just there, you're free to have fun. We pulled that old rowboat, we put it into the river, we got into the rowboat, it was riddled with holes. And I remember 
kind of standing up at the, the bow of it, and here we are moving, and I, I turned and looked, and where did my cousins go? The boat was sinking all around us. Oh, we laughed. We had so much fun. And we were so cold, and we were so wet. Now we have to go back home, back to the cabin, and walk in front of our parents. But as we did that, what took place is our um, shirt uh, tails that were hanging out, we filled them with water, and we just walked all the way back, dripping all the way. We had found our rowboat, and we had sailed on that river. Um, last year, uh, some of us, some of my cousins, uh, we remembered that, and we all laughed about it. So sometimes a river calls us to have that freedom and to have that inner sense of joy and to remember that cre- creativity. So rivers, it's like forging a new river. And there's been many rivers forged, and it's amazing. This is a great metaphor metaphor for our lives because a river, the energy of the water alone and the force of its current and its movement can rub right through rock, and it can create another path because rivers move, but they always follow a path. I'm thinking about it was 2006, and Dr. Raz and also myself, we took a whole bunch of mile hires to the Grand Canyon, and what an incredible adventure that was. Because what I recognize from our indigenous folks is when two rivers come together, they have always seen that as a sacred place, seeing the river as a symbol of spirit, that golden thread of truth that is moving in and through us right now. And so I remember the Grand Canyon, oh, we'd go through these rapids and I would just hold on with my entire life to to that little raft and just go with the flow. And then all of a sudden we would come out, maybe some of you have done the Grand Canyon also, we would come out in something that was still and beautiful. And I remember one day we came to this place where there was two um, aspects of the river that came together and you could just feel the peace of that looking up over time, how rubbing through that rock had created an incredible canyon. But what I uh, realized in that trip, and I think about it quite often, is that God, the presence of that living spirit, is in the rapids of our lives, but it's also in the still waters of our lives. Bruce Lipton, who wrote the amazing book, Spontaneous Evolution, our positive future, getting from here to there, he shares about the peace on the river, how peace, that great spiritual quality within us, how it can manifest when we allow ourselves to follow that golden thread of living truth within us. And he talked about in um, his book, um, he referred to six tribes that populated, this was a long time ago, this was probably about the year 500 of the United States, that populated the southeast part of the United States, Ontario and um, Quebec. And these uh, nations, these groups of people, these tribes, 
that uh, they weren't getting together very well. And there was one person who came and brought forth incredible peace, and I'm going to share about him. But they said that it formed what is known as the Iroquois Confederacy that influenced even the signing of our United States Constitution because these people had come together along their rivers to learn how to live together without harming anyone or anything. And so the person that I want to talk about and that Bruce Lipton spoke about, Gene Houston has spoken about this gentleman. This is a long, long time ago. And his name was Dakota Wida. His Native American name was Two Rivers. The Two Rivers. And the story goes like this, that he was born probably around the 1500s, and uh, he was a little different. He had um, a hair lip. When he grew older, he had a speech impediment. But when he was born, his mother and his grandmother had had a vision. They were Huron. That was a, a tribe. And she, the mom, had a vision that this little son would come forth and he would want to destroy the Huron people. So at his birth, she and her mother, the Katawita's grandmother, took him three times to the river to try and drown this little baby. But the little baby would not die, the legend says. He would come back. And so after the third time, it's like, okay, okay, you're here to stay. And so as he grew older, he was different from the other kids. Everyone loved him. And one day he went to his mother and he said, I'm going to build a stone canoe. A stone canoe? That'll never float on the river. I'm going to build a stone canoe. And I think that's very symbolic that perhaps in our own personal lives there's been many times where we've been asked to build a stone canoe and try to float it on a river. Maybe it was something really, really heavy that was weighing on us. Maybe it was our history, our story, that always said that we weren't enough. Perhaps it was the shame and the guilt that we took on. All those are energies, and they become very, very heavy. Maybe it was something such as that. So he said, I'm going to sail a stone canoe. And the legend goes that he set sail facing east before the rising sun ever came forth. And so as he traveled through his life, he did travel the river, because back then that was the way to travel along the rivers. And he went to what he called the raiders' villages, these groups of people that were doing harm. And he would sit with them, and he would pray with them, and he would teach them from a deep, golden band within himself. That place of greater wisdom, that place of soulfulness he would teach from. He was asked many times, don't go to those raiders' camps. They will hurt you. They'll destroy you. But keep in mind, at his birth, someone tried to destroy him three times. So he had moved beyond any fear. And it was two rivers, 
along with some of you recognize this name from history, Hiawatha, who in my studies for my message today, I discovered that she was Mohawk, and she really did exist. And because the Katawida, two rivers, couldn't speak that well, he had a heart of gold, but he couldn't speak too well, that she was the spokesperson. So the two of them traveled. And that's where the um, Confederacy Confederacy um, constitution, that piece of peace for the people. And they said that it stayed with the people for many, many, many years. And I've seen that along the river of life, that a lot of times there's something great that comes forth, and there's harmony and there's order that prevails. And then there's a circumstance or something. Someone comes with other types of thoughts. Many times it feels like it un unties what was so harmonious. So we have seen that in our history. But I love the story about the Katawida. He was strong, he was simple, and he knew to journey forth. And he knew that we as human beings, through our thinking, we pollute our rivers. And I know there's a lot of physical pollution that takes place on our rivers, in our lakes, in our dams, and whatnot. But I'm talking about within ourselves, that thinking, sometimes stinking thinking, about who we are, who somebody else is, that tends to pollute our soulfulness, this golden thread of truth. And so it's important for us to, um, to realize that, that judgment, judgment of self, judgment of others, That's a lower energy. And I know there's a lot of that lower energy being thrown around in our world. But we are at a place to take back that river. We're at a place to take back that river, to sail on that river, and to find who we are, to find the freedom once again, and to be able to live from that place. I recognize that there's no interaction anywhere there's only omni-action. That's a spiritual principle. Interaction is all those thought forms, many of them strong, that can pollute. It's about coming to the river and cleaning that up and accepting our creative nature. Omni-action, omni meaning one. There's that only one action, and it's always been present. And there's been many, many stories and tales about people such as Dikata two rivers, that have come forth, and I'm probably speaking to two rivers right here, all of you as Dakota Wheatas that sail on the river, peace like a river. There's only one path, and it is the path of the heart. I remember so many years ago when I had the great opportunity to do my first vision quest with the Lakota Sioux. We had the Lakota Sioux very present here on Friday night, our interfaith ministry presentation. It was wonderful. But I remember that I needed to fast from water, the sacredness of water, for four days. I was into my second day of not having any water or any food. And I remember I was speaking Wednesday night over in the vote chapel. And I remember I called my... um, teacher or the person who was 
holding all the prayers to take me on the vision quest. And I said, couldn't I just have a little bit of water? Or I didn't say water. I said juice. And this is what he said back to me. No, Patty. He said, just increase your prayers. Just increase your prayers. That night, so I did, and I spoke that night, and wouldn't you know that they had a men's quartet, and that night they played the song, Peace Like a River. I'll always remember that. So So it's about the path of heart, and Rumi said, when you do things from your soul, you feel a river, a river moving in you. And that river is joy itself. And so that joy within us has always been. And I believe it was Ramdas, the great Ramdas, who once said, Joy comes to us from many times the experience of agony and the experience of ecstasy. And out of that, the river, who we are as a spiritual being, comes to a place of flow and balance, and that's very joyful. So joy comes forth, and it's a discovery for each one of us. It's an assurance. So the metaphor for life is the river, the spiritual flow itself. In Revelations um, 22, I found this to be quite beautiful. They wrote, Then he showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God through the middle of the streets of the city. Also, on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its 12 kinds of fruit, and the fruit each month coming forth in the 12 months. And it leaves the tree free to be, at that healing place, the healing for all nations. The healing for all nations. So once again, I was thinking about a canoe is made out of a tree, even though it had a symbolism as being of stone. Each one of us, we are that tree of life. And we are uh, likened also to, to a reed, the tree that grows, the reed that is deep within the mud of a river. And I paraphrase Rumi, the great Persian poet. When Rumi talked about the reed deep within the mud, the reed is plucked from the river mud. It is brought to the shore, and a flute comes forth from that hollow reed. Eight holes are placed in that flute so that when played, it can make music. The flute is very symbolic to who we are as that golden thread and that we have come forth this lifetime to make music. Like the river has many songs. The river has many voices. We have many songs inside of us. So the flute, like a living soul. I remember um, many, many years ago, I wanted to learn to play the um, Native American flute. 
So I asked one of my friends, who was a great uh, flute player, I said, can you teach me how to play the flute? And this is what he said to me. He said, Patty, I want you to go to the river, sit next to a river, and the river will teach you to play. Well, that was many, many years ago. I still haven't learned to play the flute. (laughs) But that was many, many years ago. And in putting this message together, I thought about that. I thought, what he really said to me was to go back to your soulfulness, trust who you are, to be able to be the flute in order to play the flute. Does that make sense? So once again, it was a spiritual invitation that he had given to me. Edward um, Abbey, he wrote, I choose to listen to the river for a while, thinking river thoughts before joining the night and the stars. Mm. Before joining the night and the stars. So we are living in a time, and probably if I was the Katawidi speaking in the year 1500, he'd probably be saying the same thing. We're living in a time where we have to take back the river. But today I'm saying we are living in a time where we need to take back the river. And as I stand here, I'm sensing that this is the river, and each one of us, we are that little pebble that over time has brought forth a good river stone. It has polished you, and it has polished me. I want to um, read something, and I know it's been read many times, And I wasn't going to read it, but it's like, no, because it's about taking back the river. And it is um, a message of the Hopi. This came forth quite a few years ago, sincerely came forth from this ancient wisdom, this wisdom that has always been there in ceremony and felt as though it needed to come forth so that we had a great understanding. I also am aware... I'm preparing to go to Peru in several weeks with the group, um, that the old Incas that fled to the highest peak, some 21,000 in height there in Peru, and have been living up there for years, they fled there to get away from the Spaniards that came through, who found them wrong and all that crazy stuff. All that crazy stuff that has gone on. About the same time that the Hopis came forth, the Incas came off that mountain. And they said, we have things we need to share with you now. We can no longer hold to this. We need to share this with you. And the Incas gave us these beautiful rites of passage, simple as they are, to help tune us and to help us realize who we are as spiritual beings and be able to walk a joyous life. But the Hopis said this, There is a river flowing now, very, very fast. It is so great and swift that there are those who will be afraid. They will try to hold on to the shore. They will feel that they are being torn apart and will suffer greatly. Know that the river has its destination. And the elders say we must let go of the shore, push off into the middle of the river, Keep our eyes open and our heads above water. And I say, see who is in there with you. 
and celebrate. At this time in history, we are to take nothing personally. <laughs> Least of all, ourselves. Thank you, Spirit. For the moment that we do our spiritual growth and our journey comes to a halt. The time of the lone wolf is over. Gather yourselves and banish the word struggle from our vocabulary. All that we do now must be done in a sacred manner and in celebration, for we are the ones that we have been waiting for. So to look around, even look around today, who's in this river with you? We'll be able to flow on the river to continue in our spiritual path. Carefully take those off. Um, To flow on our spiritual path because we need to raise above our heads, above the water. And what that means to me is to raise above that line of a firmament where we're not judging self or others. That I see you. I see you. And you see me. And what we see is that spiritual light, that golden thread, that river within each one of us. That's what we see. And we begin that first, that celebration in our very own homes. To be able to see our our partners, our children, our grandchildren as that light. So the buoyancy of love is on the river. And it asks us to go beyond the dream. And Hazrat Khan, a great uh, Sufi master, he wrote, Water which rises from the top of the Himalayas is like a spring of love coming forth from our hearts. And as it comes forth from our hearts, and even as that river, that stream, moves to the greater, to that ocean of love intelligence, we know that that greater is the absolute unity, the absolute unity of God itself. And I say that the river is a water, is a feminine symbol. And so we are living in a time, it's so beautiful, that the mother energy of life is calling to each one of us. And whether you had a sweet mother or a tough mom, or hopefully you didn't have a mom like the Katawita, but that mother energy, that mother energy is always calling us to come home. Come home to that place of heart. It's calling to each one of us. So I ask us today to step into the river. To be able to step into the river. And to begin to wade into the river. To permit our our true identity as a living soul. To be all that it can be. Trust, I think trust is really the name for God, trust. And to trust that, to float on the buoyancy of love. Because when we let go, let go, whether through our prayers, our meditation, or just being gathered here in the river here today, letting go, we're trusting that there's a greater force that holds us, and that is love itself. Also, take the river back to be very, very brave Brave is courage that is acting fearlessly. 
to be able to move and to be present in life, to sense that every moment there is spiritual freedom, not freedom by license. Spiritual freedom is always present. I just want to share a funny story that, uh, about being brave and uh, really diving in. Several years ago, um, I like to take, we like to take our grandchildren to Glenwood Springs, Colorado, the big pool up there. It's where my grandkids learn to swim, and uh, we have a good time up there. And one year, uh, those little kids, man, they have learned to swim. They're like little fish. And uh, so I was up there, and I hadn't really um, jumped or dived off a diving board probably since when I was maybe 18 or 20 years old or something like that. And my granddaughter, she said, Grandma, tomorrow I want you to dive off the diving board. And, of course, I'm going, oh, sure. Yeah, I'll I'll be glad to do that. The next morning, she didn't forget. And I had said yes. She says, wow, we're so excited. I told Jackson this morning, we're going to see Grandma diving off the diving board. I have to admit, fear came up in me, and it was like, okay, Patty, you gave that little kid your word. You were going to dive off that diving board. And so, of course, I got to the edge, and I had to trust, take a step, and dive into the water. Just a couple weeks ago, those kids, now they're 13 and 11, they were saying, Grandma, we remember that day that you dove off the diving board. (laughs) I only did that once, kids. (laughs) So it's about um, jumping in, jumping in. So I I want to close by um, just remembering our creative flow and that we are connected. And I want to bring into the room, it's interesting, so many of these mythic tales like Dakota Wida, the legends, and even the great, great story about Ashua ben Joseph, Jesus, his birth, Dakota Wida's birth. In mythology, mythology, there's a lot of different stories that talk about someone came forth that was very, very simple, just like you, just like me, and they made a difference in their world. Jesus. One day went to the river, and he had a golden rope, and he threw it across that river so he could connect it to the other side. He brought the people that were on the other side together, and he told them to trust, and that there was that golden light that was always present. And so I say today that We, as a people, need to stop damming up, polluting our own river. We need to stop damming up the rivers with controls, with dogmas, with rules, with structures. We don't want to turn and walk away from the river of life. And I sense Ashua, Jesus, and Roger just finished a beautiful series, Easter series about Jesus, bringing greater enlightenment that he was a man, but he was a man that saluted that golden river. Every moment he took the river back. And he called us to go beyond our boundaries, to go to the river. 
He called us to go beyond gender, beyond color of our skin. He called us to be in the fullness of humanity, to do no harm. He called us to even go beyond religion and to remember the mystic sparks of life. Maybe they're the fireflies around the rivers at night. And he asked us to take in the purpose of abundant life and that we are free to be. So I want to just emphasize that we are agents of love and we're rowing on the river. And maybe someday, because of this incredible community, we will see a sign out there on Alameda and Garrison that says, our purpose is to give life and to transform life. So sail away to a safe harbor. So Ganga White, she wrote this. What if our religion was each other? If our practice was our life, if prayer was our words, what if the temple was earth? Its forests were the church. If holy water, the rivers, the lakes, the oceans, what if meditation was our relationship and if the teacher was life, if wisdom was self-knowledge, if love was the center of our being, what if?